Welcome to The Backstory with Dr. Ricky Singh. This podcast is focused on bringing you the latest research-based information about dramatically improving health, well-being, and quality of life. And here's your host, Dr. Ricky Singh. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Backstory. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I see a lot in my clinic. And it's something that I have personally suffered from. I think it goes underdiagnosed and undertreated. You know, we see a lot of patients come through the Wall Cornell Ox Spine Center with pain coming from this structure. And I wanted to share with you my experience with identifying this as a source of pain, what those symptoms look like, and eventually what to do about it. So if you're listening out there and your lower back hurts or your butt hurts, especially when you get up from a chair or climb a set of stairs, what I'm about to share with you might be something to hold on to. So we know the etiology of low back pain is often pretty difficult to determine. There are overlapping clinical signs. There are symptoms that originate from many different sources, whether it's muscles or the disc or bones and arthritis. But often in the absence of acute trauma, in the absence of any tumor or metabolic diseases, one of the more common places that I see pain originating from is something called the sacroiliac joint or the SI joint. Now, if you look at the epidemiological data, the SI joint is implicated as a pain generator in only 10 to 25% of patients that present with lower back pain. I find that to be a little bit low, and I think that number is probably a little bit higher. But what makes it challenging to diagnose is its unique anatomic characteristics, the function of the joint. So let's get into that. So what is the SI joint? Where is it? Why does it cause pain? The SI joints or the sacroiliac joints are located at the bottom of your spine where your sacrum, which is the triangle shaped bone right above your coccyx, is right above your tailbone. It connects to your hip bone, also known as your ilium bone. The ilium bone is if you put your hands on your hips, it's the bone that is touching your thumbs. So where the sacrum connects to the ilium, SI, that is called your sacroiliac joint. And the SI joint has several unique anatomic characteristics that probably render it slightly more vulnerable to unusual stress and unusual strain. It is the largest axial joint in the body, which means that it connects the lower body to our spine. And there's two portions to this joint. One is the synovial joint. The synovial joint is like most other joints in our body. It contains fluid. It helps with lubrication and shock absorption. But the other part of the joint has an intricate set of ligamentous connections that limit range of motion in all different planes. The SI joint also supports a lot of our weight. It acts as a shock absorber, which can help reduce some pressure. And it helps with movements that would otherwise be transmitting the forces directly to your spine. The biggest problem with the SI joint pain, with the SI joint, is that it's uneven. It's not a simple joint like the knee or the ball and socket type of joint like your hip or your shoulder. The SI joint actually fits together like a puzzle piece. And the variable nature and the contour of these edges is what help the joint stay in alignment but also help the joint be a little bit more complicated. 
So as I mentioned, these two bones, the sacrum and the ilium, as part of the SI joint, are connected by a lot of ligaments and a lot of muscles, which both aid in their stability, but also limit some of that freedom of motion. And even though the movement is limited, there's actually a whole school of thought of scholars that believe the SI joint does not move at all. I think newer theories and newer research is showing that there is some limited range of motion. Um, this range of motion is necessary. It's necessary for us to transition from sitting to standing. It's necessary for us to remain upright. And probably the most relevant is it's necessary to allow women to give birth. It opens up the pelvic cavity to allow for vaginal delivery. The joints are somewhat similar to other joints. They have a protective layer of cartilage. Again, there can be some lubrication that provides shock absorption. But the biggest problem is that when the bones of the SI joint are out of alignment or when the cartilage breaks down and the bones start to rub up against each other, this is what actually causes SI joint pain and SI joint dysfunction. So there are many reasons why someone could develop SI joint pain. Inflammation could be one of those reasons. When this happens, it's a condition called sacroiliitis, which is actually quite rare. We often don't see that a lot in our spine clinic. Osteoarthritis, which is joint degeneration that can be caused by aging or excessive stresses around the joint, is probably a more common cause of SI joint pain. Gout and trauma can also be causes of pain, which are, again, pretty rare. And one of the more common things we see in our clinic, in women especially, is SI joint as it relates to pregnancy. We spoke last season with Dr. Jacqueline Bonder, who is the head of our women's health rehab medicine department here on this very topic. So if you're interested in that, go back and check out season one. So what does SI joint feel like? Now, of course, everyone experiences pain different. Everyone experiences SI joint disorders somewhat different. But some of the common symptoms that we see are pain in the lower back, pain in the butt, and radiating pain into the groin. Often patients report that there is increased pain when transitioning from sitting to standing. But as soon as patients start walking and moving around, the pain starts to feel better. But, and not often, patients can actually experience some pain radiating down into the leg and even to the foot. So I wanna tell you a little bit about my experience with SI joint pain. This started in 2020 and admittedly, I was playing a lot more rotational sports like tennis and golf during that time. And I noticed pain in my lower back, in my butt region. When I was in clinic, I was able to move and, and do procedures. But as soon as I would sit down and speak with a patient and then eventually stand up to go to the next exam room, I felt excruciating pain right in my lower back, radiating into my groin and even down into my leg. Most of the time, patients with SI joint pain report pain in the buttock region about 94% of the time. Sometimes there's pain into the groin, like 15 to 20% of the time. And again, this is probably related to the variability of the anatomy in the SI joint. One of the more useful items when I see a patient with SI joint pain is actually the pain diagram. When you guys come in and patients come in and draw for me where it hurts, this helps me identify what I'm looking for and helps me target some of my questions. And Dr. Fortin actually generated a pain referral map from which we coined the, the test, the Fortin finger test, which I'll tell you in a second. And what he did was he took patients who did not have SI joint pain and he injected 
each of their sacroiliac joints. And then he asked them to identify on their skin where it hurts. And what he found was that the vast majority of patients who underwent this injection reported pain over their posterior superior iliac spine. I know that's a complicated word, but basically that's consistent with where you have dimples. When you look at your lower back and everyone's got dimples, dimples of venous, sometimes they might be covered by a little bit of sub-Q fat, but the dimples are there and that is where your sacroiliac joint is located. So how do we actually diagnose sacroiliac joint pain and sacroiliac joint dysfunction? First and foremost, SI joint problems can be very difficult to diagnose because the joints are located deep in the body. It makes the physical exam a little bit more difficult. Often imaging tests like x-rays and MRIs often don't show any structural or anatomical abnormalities. And physical exam of someone who is suspected with SI joint pain or dysfunction, it really starts with evaluating how you're walking. We look at your gait. We notice if you have any leg length discrepancies, if you have any limp, do you have hip arthritis that we can help rule out with range of motion testing? And I mentioned earlier, the Fortin finger test is considered positive when I ask a patient, point to the spot that hurts the most, point to the area of maximum tenderness. And if they point to right around their dimple near that area of the posterior superior iliac spine, it's pretty reliable that they're going to have SI joint dysfunction that coupled with some of the other physical examination removers. And what are these maneuvers? So there are a handful of provocative maneuvers that we can perform in the clinic to diagnose SI joint pain. The challenge with these is that no single test is very highly reliable or highly sensitive. And the reason for that is that the range of motion of the SI joint is so limited that it might be difficult to clinically produce and reproduce that pain. And second, during my exam, when I'm loading your SI joint, I'm probably also loading other structures around the joint, like the lumbar spine or the ligaments or some of the capsules. And that's why it makes pinpointing the origin of the pain that much more difficult. So because of the lack of reliable clinical exam, because of the fact that radiologic studies like x-rays, MRIs, and CAT scans don't really help diagnose the pain, one of the more consistent ways to diagnose pain coming from the sacroiliac joint is actually a diagnostic injection. And there's very good evidence to support that a single block with a local anesthetic into the SI joint can be used to identify the joint as the pain generator. In order to effectively localize the SI joint pain, it is imperative that this injection is performed under image guidance, either with x-ray fluoroscopy or with an ultrasound machine. And if patients report pain relief between 75 and 100%, at that point, I'm pretty confident that the pain is coming from the SI joint, and then we can talk about treatment options. So if you think you've been having SI joint-related symptoms or you've been diagnosed with an SI joint problem, speak with your physiatrist, speak with your physical therapist so that we can tell you what to do about it. So what is the mainstay in terms of treatment for SI joint pain? First and foremost is physical therapy. I've mentioned it many times on this podcast, movement is medicine, and that goes very far with sacroiliac joint pain. Low impact exercises like yoga, like massage can help stabilize and strengthen the joint. Some modalities, cold packs, cryotherapy can also make the pain more manageable. In some cases, especially women who are pregnant, we often suggest wearing a sacroiliac belt, which can also help stabilize the joint and ease the pain. 
But when thinking about strengthening, it is often difficult to strengthen the ligaments, but instead we focus on strengthening the muscles. And that's where really the focus should be. Some patients also ask me about manipulation. And in my own experience, when I had severe sacroiliac joint pain, I saw a chiropractor who works with us in our spine center to help manage my sacroiliac symptoms. And typically the chiropractic therapy consists of manual procedures around the SI joint, around the lower back, with the goal to reduce the muscle tension, release the SI joint if necessary. And the most important is to restore normal range of motion. And I personally found my work with the chiropractor to be tremendously effective. That coupled with the home exercise program that he gave me really has kept my symptoms manageable for the last three years. Most of us have very tight hip flexors, as I did, and relatively weak glute muscles. I'm also guilty of that. So the way to treat the SI joint pain was to work diligently on opening up my hip flexors, stretching out the front of my thighs, and then performing a lot of single leg exercises to strengthen my glutes. And again, knock on wood, so far I have been relatively asymptomatic. When exercise and physical therapy don't really help and can't effectively manage your symptoms, then medications such as anti-inflammatories, ibuprofen, naproxen can help. Sometimes muscle relaxers and even short-term oral steroids can be used. And if these don't provide significant symptomatic relief, then we turn to the interventional options. I mentioned earlier that a diagnostic injection, which is done with just a local anesthetic, can help confirm the diagnosis of SI joint pain. But sometimes injections into the joint with cortisone can both help diagnose the SI joint pain and also alleviate some of the symptoms coming from the joint. When we think about other more interventional options for SI joint pain, a common treatment that we employ here at Walker Cornell Spine Center is something called radiofrequency ablation. And basically, this is a procedure where we identify the nerves around the back part of the joint that are causing your pain. We then numb up those nerves with a local anesthetic. And if that gives you 75 to 100% pain relief for a short period of time, like one or two hours, then we perform an ablation technique, which effectively turns off these nerves on a semi-permanent basis. And what I mean by that is, quote, we burn the nerve by heating up the nerve to 176 degrees Fahrenheit, that will effectively shut off the pain signals coming from the SI joint. This will allow you to exercise more, allow you to strengthen the muscles more, which is the mainstay of treatment. And the reason I say semi-permanent is because the human body was created to restore and regenerate itself. So these nerves will gradually grow back. It might take nine, 12, or 15 months but it's during that window of being relatively pain-free where you can really improve your exercise program and physical therapy regimen. Another interventional option is prolotherapy, and this falls into the school of regenerative medicine options. We believe that the SI joint pain is primarily caused by ligament instability, capsule weakness around the SI joint, and basically prolotherapy or proliferative therapy can be performed either using a very concentrated sugar solution or dextrose or something called platelet-rich plasma, which is PRP. These two solutions can be injected into the area that can help prepare and strengthen some of the structures around the joint to provide stability and again, restore that normal range of motion. And the research supports this. There are studies that report positive clinical outcomes of PRP for SI joint dysfunction 
and even a superior and longer lasting effect compared to a steroid injection. The last option I want to talk to you about is surgery. And again, this all depends on what your philosophy in relation to the SI joint pain really is. Some, some believe that the SI joint pain is immobile, that there is no motion of the SI joint pain. I personally believe as a patient myself is that the SI joint pain is primarily caused by hypermobility or some muscle imbalance, which causes the joint to be out of alignment. And the best way to put the joint back into alignment is with exercise. And sometimes that doesn't work effectively for the patients. And that's when we may refer you to one of our spine surgery colleagues for something called an SI joint fusion. And the data supports that fusing the SI joint pain will effectively reduce the pain, but it completely limits the range of motion of the SI joint pain. And you can surmise that that range of motion is going to come from somewhere else. So I would balance fusing the joint with really trying to stabilize that joint through an exercise program. So in the end, the diagnosis and management of patients with SI joint pain is challenging. There are no great specifically history features. There, the most common thing that I see is patients reporting pain transitioning from sitting to standing, which is a pretty classic presentation. Physical examination and provocative testing are not super reliable. The lack of radiologic findings, because there's no true anatomic or structural abnormalities, also make it difficult to provide a definitive diagnosis of SI joint pain. So if I think someone has SI joint pain, often I will recommend a diagnostic injection to help establish a more accurate diagnosis, and then focus on physical therapy and manual therapy as first-line choices. If those things don't work, then we can consider an injection into the joint or radiofrequency ablation, and even some of the regenerative options like prolotherapy and PRP. In the event that these non-operative treatments don't work, then we can consider a percutaneous sacroiliac joint fusion. But all these things have to be done with shared decision-making with you and your healthcare provider. So if you're out there and you have pain over your dimples, if you have pain going from sitting to standing, you might have SI joint pain. Go see a physical therapist, go see a physician, get it checked out so we can get you back onto the road to recovery. I hope this helped. I'm managing my SI joint pain while I train for the 2023 New York City Marathon. Stay well out there, stay safe, and in the end, we've got your back. Thanks for listening to The Backstory. Please subscribe, rate the podcast, and review The Backstory on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. And feel free to share this podcast on social media or even your own website or blog. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. To learn more about Dr. Singh and his clinical research, please follow him on social media. You can also sign up for his newsletter by going to www.rickysinghmd.com. That's R-I-C-K-Y-S-I-N-G-H-M-D dot com.